Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products, because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters, without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the 7 most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about 7 minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. Hey everyone, I'm Mitch Goldich, and welcome back to the MMQB NFL podcast. It is Friday, so normally at this time we'd be doing our weekend review show with the whole team here, but instead, today we have a special episode with a special guest. She is no stranger to our subscribers on the MMQB podcast feed. It is Kaylin Kaler. Kaylin is here to talk about a three-part story that she wrote for the MMQB this week on the unusual post-retirement story of former Packers star Kabir Gabaja Biamilia. And that's me just putting it as uh, as lightly as I can. We'll get into all the crazy details and the twists and turns here from Kaylin. But Kaylin, hello. How are you? Hey, I'm back. What's up? <laughs> <laughs> You're back. It's good to see you. You we've too. Got the, we've got the Zoom going here. I haven't seen you uh, actually in a while outside of Instagram. So this is nice. Exactly. It's good to be back in the with the MMQB pals. Um, so... We're going to talk all about the story, which was a massive undertaking, three days, and all three of them were lengthy. Uh, I think the uh, editor, we broke it up into three chapters, not three parts, which just right. tells you the heft of the overall story. Um, but for those who haven't read it, I'd recommend going and checking it out and reading it. But for anyone who's listening to this first and then reading it after, Kaylin, can you just sort of summarize the story for us? Ooh, I will try. Um, so basically... Kabir Baja Biamila, known as KGB. He, um, when he retired from the Packers, he was their all-time sack leader, so he's pretty well known um, among Packers fans, and he chose to stay and make a home in Green Bay and post-retirement. And he 
kind of became like a local icon. Um, you know, people when Packers players stay and choose to live in Green Bay, they kind of become like, you know, a little bit famous and like really beloved in the community because it's such a small town. So he really like found an, found his home there and he had eight kids with his wife there and they were very established, um, really involved in the church scene. Um, you know, he had a reputation as like a Christian, good Christian man, family man, all of that. And this past December, um, he there was an incident that happened with a, a Christmas program with a private Christmas school or Christmas school Christian school in Green Bay and this kind of was the the turning point where everyone in the community realized what is really going on in his post-retirement life now so at this Christmas program just to sum it up um he had so Kabir had gotten involved with a religious group that follows like the Old Testament laws and the commandments, and they don't identify as Christian anymore. Um, though they are a biblically based group, they sort of hate Christians, and a lot of the videos that they put out are very judgmental of Christianity, and and they call Christians hypocrites and things like that. So um, Kabir did not want his children to be part of the Christmas program because the group that he's now involved in, they don't believe in Christmas. They think Christmas is a pagan holiday. So he, although he hadn't seen his kids in two years, he did not want them to be part of this Christmas program. So he sent um, two of the men who are part of his community. He's basically running like a branch of this ministry in Green Bay. And he sent two of those men to this to the school's Christmas program to collect evidence like photo or video this is in his words to collect photo or video of his kids being part of this pagan ritual so that I don't know what he planned to do with it later but he just wanted proof because he without his consent his property he calls his kids his property his property were being used without his consent so he sent these two guys there and because there had been like a lot of turmoil over this with the headmaster between Kabir and the headmaster master in the past the headmaster recognized these two guys that were part of Kabir's group and he was really uncomfortable because he kind of thought something might happen things might boil over there might be some kind of you know disagreement and he wasn't sure why they were there so he calls the police these two guys end up getting arrested because they were carrying a concealed weapon to a school event without a permit to carry a concealed uh, weapon so they end up getting arrested and it all comes out as to why they were were there because Kabir had sent them there because he doesn't believe in Christmas and then it all come you know and then the story sort of unfolded from there so um our, our previous editor Jack Dickey who was at Sports Illustrated um at the time in December he sent me this news story and he was like this is extremely weird because Kabir did an interview at the time where he was saying he was part of this religious group and the word cult was getting thrown around and I was just like, this is fascinating. Like, we need to find out what's going on and we need to find out more. And yeah, and so you mentioned the word cult there. And, and just to paint people a full picture, you say a religious group, but I mean, this is a group <laughs> that you, you mentioned they hate Christianity, but like to paint the picture of this, they have a pastor who's doing all, you know, an endless stream of YouTube videos with assault rifles in the background. This is a group where there are, and you detail this in the piece, rampant allegations of abuse, verbal abuse, sexual abuse. They're anti gay, anti-women, uh, you know, speaking poorly of a lot of groups and proudly doing this in their video that this is just that this is what they believe and feeling like there's nothing wrong with that and nothing that they mm -hmm. need to hide. 
So mm-hmm. this is, uh, you know, not just a religious group, but this is really, uh, you know, that gives you like, and, and you were very careful both in the piece and in your tweets, not to call it a cult, but your, I saw like your tweets were worded a group that many people believe is right. a cult and just being very careful right. with how you word everything. But this is, uh, you know, more of a fringe group than sort of a mainstream religious group. Right. And the word cult is like not politically correct even to begin with, but like we all we all kind of like know what we mean when we say cult, but it's sort of like one of those words that like doesn't really have like a true definition, but it's like we all kind of like know what it means and it sort of implies something. So like the term that academics will use is a new religious movement. Um, and Kabir actually took issue with that term. He did a live stream about the story where he was sort of like breaking down the parts of the story that he thought you know, his thoughts on what we wrote about him. Um, And he took issue with that because he was like, how are we a new religious movement? Because we use the Bible. The Bible is 2000 years old, which yes, that's true. But like this group, it's more than just biblically based. It's, you know, there's some anti-government ideas. There are, um, you know, they're preppers. So they're preparing for the end of the world. They're storing food. They're, you know, they're doing a lot of different sort of like trendy things that are like all from different sort of some of them are like totally secular like prep prepping is like a can be like a secular idea so they're not just like hebrew israelites they're a lot more than that um and it's the timing of when the story came out this is a whole other tangent but it was really interesting because of deshaun jackson's comments um last week or two weeks ago and then nick cannon's comments and he is fired from his role at viacom um both of whom made anti-semitic comments that were about Hebrew Israelism and the belief that black people are the chosen people of the Bible and that the Jewish people stole that identity from them. And it was really interesting to me that like that happened as the story is coming out because that's part of this story as well. Like that's part of this religious group's beliefs. Um, And I think a lot of that is part of like this whole moment that we're in right now in 2020 with like kind of, I don't know if like a racial awakening is like, the right term for it but after george floyd you know um black people really learning about their history and learning about um you know their identity and everything and i think this religious group is really tied with that so this story is like so fascinating because there's race there's masculinity there's religion there's um you know retirement issues with nfl players i mean there's just everything combined into one one person's religious journey basically yeah, and you're, you're totally right about the timing with Deshaun Jackson and Nick Cannon. And you mentioned in the piece, there are two other NFL players who belong to the same community that KGB does. And then you also have in the piece that NFL team chaplains, and another tangent, KGB had sort of a contentious relationship with the Packers team chaplain, yeah. and they would talk about religion and really get into it. But a, a different chaplains around the league are concerned that this is a movement that a lot of for- – current or at least former NFL players are getting swept up into. And, and again, you're right about masculinity and, and multiple people in the piece, I think made the point that a lot of these football players believe in structure and they have these strong, uh, you know, leader figures in their lives as football coaches, their whole lives. And then all of a sudden they retire and they lose the structure and the schedule. And they're looking for that sort of masculine outfit, masculine uh, figure in their life. And so that's one of the things this, you know, group that's putting down women and talking about their kids and their wives as property uh, that it's appealing to. And again, we don't want to generalize too much. Not every NFL player is like this, but there is a, a segment that's coming out of the league, coming out of the military who are looking for structure and masculinity and find some of these teachings to be appealing. They're like a, a great 
audience for this kind of message, basically. Yeah, and Kabir put that in his own words. He, without even me really asking that question, he just said that in our six hour long <laughs> marathon interview. Um, he did bring up that he, he, the leader of this group of Straight Wave Truth Ministry is Pastor Charles Dowell, and he's very manly. You know, he's, his body language is very macho. His words are very blunt. He's very direct. He does a lot of shouting. He does a lot of like, he doesn't sugarcoat anything. So Kabir pointed that out and said he feels like a coach. He feels like that figure that had been that authoritative figure in his life for so long that I think he was probably looking for again. And he even made the clear comparison. He grew up Muslim. His father was Muslim, um, Kabir's father. And in the Muslim faith, um, you know, men are at the front of the mosque and women are at the back. And, and Kabir made that comparison. He was like, Christianity is so feminine compared to that. Like, he's like, Christian pastors are so feminine. Like, there's just this feminine spirit with Christianity. So for him, it was really important to get back to that sort of like men over here, women over here. We're going to keep the roles separate. We're going to have a real man's man, to use his words. He said man's man um, leading us. So that is a whole other, you know, reason why this message that straightway truth is um preaching is you know something that former nfl players are interested in and it appeals to them so i do want to ask you about the six hour interview you yeah. sitting down with kgb but let's start at the very beginning you talked yeah. about jack dickey gave you the the first story and then you decided you wanted to investigate i'm what's the first step i mean where what was the first bit of reporting that you did and at what, yes. what at what point did you realize how big this story would be the time commitment and even just knowing it would come in at over 20,000 words. Like where, where did you start and when did this become such a huge undertaking? Yeah. Um, so he sent me the news story probably like late December. I think I remember it was like around Christmas time and he was like, you know, check this out. No rush, but like, let's, this would be really interesting. I think there's something here. And this was right at the end of the NFL season. So the Packers made the playoffs. So they were going to be heading into a couple playoff games um, they hosted the first one at, at Lambeau. So I was around there. I was planning to be around there already to be reporting on the Packers getting, gearing up for the playoffs. So I was like, you know what, this is actually perfect. Like while I'm up there, I can like figure out what this story is. So the first thing that I did, I think was, I just started watching his YouTube channel first because with a story like this, you're always like afraid to like reach out to someone too early before you know anything. And like, maybe you say the wrong thing and then they don't want to talk to you. Um, and they, and you just sort of like wasted your one shot with a source. Right. And this story is so sensitive and like weird that I was really careful with like the order of like how I wanted to do things. So I think I just started by like really just streaming his YouTube videos. And I remember driving up to green Bay. Um, I would just play his videos in the car and I could get through like five, you know, and I was like, oh, wow, I learned a lot. Like, and, and the thing about the story that made the reporting process so interesting was that everything was out there. Literally everything was out there. I just had to watch it all and I had to t follow up on the things that I saw. But like the fact that Robert Mathis is, was part of this group that was on YouTube this whole time, like, and I didn't find it on my own. Someone had to sort of like, point me that way they were like hey he's not the only one and I'm like what are you talking about because I was probably like a month in at this point and I hadn't I hadn't gotten that far on YouTube so it was either like prompting from people for me to watch certain videos or it but it was literally all there and that's why I was paranoid as a reporter during this process because I'm like 
if anyone else wanted to do this story, like, yes, it takes a lot of time, but it's like, it's on YouTube. Like everything is on YouTube. You just have to like be organized and be watching it and like reaching out to people. Um, so yeah, I think the first thing I did was watch the YouTube videos. Then I actually had a, a friend of my mom's knows a family who went to that school, whose kids went to that school. So I was able to get connected with like parents of that school first, just to kind of get like the background of like what is going on here. And a lot of them knew a lot about Kabir's story because, you know, it's a small town and that school is very small. There's only like a hundred or like 200 something students that go there. So there's a very small school community. So these parents, um, they knew a lot about his story. So I was able to learn a lot about him and like what was going on and how the community viewed him from the school parents. And then from there, it just went wild. And I think I knew right away. And I went to the police departments there too. Like I would go from like open locker room for like playoff reporting. And then I would go to the police department and be like, okay, what do you guys got? You know, like, can we talk on background? Like, can we talk off the record? Um, so it was really interesting reporting process. And so the beginning, I was kind of like working it in Green Bay, like people, sources in Green Bay. And then after that, um, it was more like branching out to, um, you know, once I found out Robert Mathis was in it, you know, Colts people, you know, and, and people who know him and former teammates was another thing I did. Um, one of the first things I did was reach out to the former teammates because I wanted to understand who Kabir was before he got into this. And I knew that they would be probably far enough away from it to be able to talk about it, but also close enough to him to really speak to who he was. So former teammates was one of the first things that I did too, just to like figure out who he was. And that was so important to like understanding how he got to where he is now, because you can see it step by step by step, because he was always like, he was like fanatic about Christianity and was known for that. So you can see incrementally how he got to where he is now from the conversations with former teammates. So that was really helpful. Yeah. And I think that's what made the story so good because it wasn't just, here's a story about this incident involving Kabir with his kids and what he's up to now. You really, you painted the whole picture and talking to Amon Green. I mean, these are recognizable names. Those are yeah. good Packers teams. Some of these guys you talk to and hearing about his interactions, you talked to Mike Sherman, I know, and um, just hearing about what he was like with the chaplain as a player right. helped paint the full picture. Mm -hmm. uh, so you did, you talked to him for a long time. Uh, how much reporting had you done when you first reached out to him directly to set up an interview? Everything was done. We saved that for last. We saved him, Robert Mathis, and Daniel Muir, and Pastor Dowell, who never talked to me. We were saving them for last because you want to have all the information that you can, and you want to be, like, really organized. I knew that he knew that I was doing the story. Like, I, I figured he would find out immediately. Like, once I talked to um, Amon Green, I was like, all right, he knows. You know what I mean? Like, like, because they're still friends. And I'm like, there's no reason that he's not going to tell Kabir that I'm working on this. Um, so I knew that Kabir has known for a while that I've been doing this. And he actually messaged me on Facebook probably in May, um, you know, saying like, hey, you're talking to a lot of people about me. They don't know about me. You're going to want to talk to me. And I didn't respond because I just wasn't ready. Um, but I always knew, obviously, we were going to talk to him. But that's also, that's like the dream as a reporter, because yeah. a lot of times you're worried that someone's going to be hard to track down. And when they, when they're in your inbox saying, right. hey, I'm ready to talk to you whenever you are, that's like, you know, thank God that makes things so much easier. Yeah. And I figured that he would, because he already said he did an interview with the Green Bay P Press Gazette and it was like two and a half hours long. 
I don't know how they got out of that one in two and a half hours. Like that was, that's nice. That, that guy must be more efficient than I am. Um, but yeah, I knew he already did that interview. And then, you know, if you just watch his YouTube, he, he likes to talk. He, and I think that he saw this as a chance to sort of share his message. So I think that's why he said yes. I mean, during the interview, he kept saying how everybody told him not to talk to us, that he shouldn't be doing this, that there was nothing he could gain from it. And yet he still did it. Like he brought that up like five times. Like everyone said I shouldn't do it. Everyone said I shouldn't do it. But then he quoted him like one, a quote I remember specifically is he said, I am my own PR guy. So he viewed it. And, and when he said that he reached out to the FBI and he's, he's called the police chief in Green Bay, he kind of views himself as like getting ahead of the bad PR and the rumors that are circulating about him. So I think that's the way he viewed this interview as well as like, you know what, they're writing about me anyways. Let me like, let me be part of it. And honestly, he's, he's right. Like the biggest problems that we have as reporters, the people get so mad at us when they, when they decline to speak to us. And then we write about what we have and they never addressed it with us because they wouldn't respond. And then they get so mad and it's just like, okay, but you could have had your chance to respond. You didn't, but you said no, and this is what happens. So I think he's completely right for talking to us. Obviously, I think that because I'm the reporter, but like he has a good point. Like he wanted to share his side of the story and he got a chance to. So what, I mean, what was that like? Where did you meet him? What's the room? What are you feeling? If you can just take us inside that day. It was actually on Skype because it was like two weeks ago, maybe three weeks ago now. So it was like, it was the week of the 4th of July. So it was on Skype. Um, so I'm on Skype. Gary was on it. Um, our editor, Gary Grambling, he was on the call. So it was me, Gary, and Kabir. And we were just on Skype for six and a half hours. <laughs> and I had to, like, take a bathroom break because, obviously, that's a long time. And I had to, like, continuously. I was, like, eating a banana. And then, like, I was eating a granola bar. <laughs> it was over, like, lunchtime. And then, I mean, I don't know how he did it because I never saw him take a drink of water he did take a bathroom break but he never ate anything and he was like not slowing down he was like ready to keep talking to us for a long long time and eventually i was like okay i am really hungry and i have to go eat dinner but thank you so much for your time um and it was like he was never rude he was like completely friendly crack and jokes you know like there were a couple of times where we, we asked serious questions and you know he got a little heated but it was nothing like confrontational it went really well and and that's the thing that i was i've been telling people as i'm doing radio shows like he's still really likable and really charismatic and friendly and you can see why people are kind of following him in this branch of the ministry that he is leading in green bay because he's he's like a fun dude like he's funny he has a good sense of humor um you know, he's likable. So that came across in our interview completely. Um, and he was just, you know, he just is very long winded. And so he, and he asked us a lot of questions too, kind of trying to understand like, why do you want to do this story about me? And like, who else are you talking to? And you know, things like that. So that's why it sort of went on for as long as it did. Yeah. And I guess it's a little, uh, less concerning if he's getting heated when you're over Skype, cause it's not like you were, uh, in the same room with him. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. 
Unbelievable! When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This podcast. We got a great episode coming up, picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all, but here's a preview of this week's episode. Do you think it's more embarrassing to dye your hair or to have hair plugs? I don't think either are embarrassing if you're not trying to conceal it and act like you didn't. Okay. So you think if you just come out and go, I got hair plugs. Yeah. Like check out these hair plugs. I mean, don't just walk around, hey, tapping, <laughs> hey, hey, stranger, I don't want you thinking this is natural. You know, but I mean, <laughs> do you, you have to do that saying? with everyone Some people you meet? try to act like they, uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. But I mean, like, like John Cena got it. You know, when John Cena came back to wrestling, he had a bald spot, and now he doesn't. Mm-hmm. You think he should be required in all interviews to say, "Look, by the way, I covered up my bald spot." Yeah, I guess it's weird. I mean, you don't wear a sign or like put a sign in your yard, but all right. So, what about toupees? Those are the most obvious. I but let's like. say you're like Bill Self, and you can get it to where it looks good. His is magical. I don't even know if his is a toupee. It is. I think he went into the future and had a procedure we haven't even discovered yet. And this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant, just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. Were there any, were there any other additional challenges having to report this in the pandemic? Because obviously you started and it was not a pandemic and, you know, you describe all kinds of scenes and some of these compounds and places that seem dangerous for reporters to be poking around. But I don't know if you actually went to any of them or if this was all done remotely, but how did the pandemic affect the story while you were working on it? So I never went to Kabir's house. I buy it. So I was able to kind of describe what it looks like from the outside. And it's also in so many of his YouTube videos. So you can really get a sense of how big it is and what it's like on the inside because of his YouTube videos. Um, I never went to the straightway um, headquarters in Tennessee, 
And I honestly would never go there. Even if it wasn't a pandemic, I was not about to go there because Dowell says many times on videos that like, if you're not invited there and they don't know you're coming, like watch out basically. Like he's threatened people um, who come to his property unannounced. And I know they have a lot of weapons. That's very clear from their videos and they are all very highly tactically trained and they're all carrying. So that's not something that I would do without being invited. you know, if he did invite me to do an interview there and it wasn't a pandemic, maybe we would think about that because it would be like a structured, you know, he knows I'm coming, whatever. Maybe we come with like security or something. I was going to say, yeah, yeah. you wouldn't go there by yourself. No. So, but it never really came to that because he never responded to our interview request. So um, despite making multiple videos challenging us to a live recorded interview, he never responded and we actually were ready to talk to him. So that we never came to that. And I don't think there were really any other additional challenges. Um, I, I mean, I was able to talk to everybody for this. Like I was able to find all the like former uh, members and stuff like that, just like on different blogs, um, you know, posts, people who are posting about Straightway on blogs or, you know, through somebody else who was like, hey, you should talk to this family. And then I find them on Facebook. Um, so really that didn't, um, affect it at all and you know i don't think i would have really traveled to do any of those interviews anyways um so yeah it was mostly just like working the weird channels of the internet where people talk about cults (laughs) so and religious groups where they've experienced abuses or you know are looking because it was actually like as i was doing this like um people were like, oh, I've been waiting for someone to write about this group. I've been waiting to get connected to someone else who has left, you know, I've been trying to find someone who's in my same situation. So I've been able to kind of connect people now who didn't have anyone else because I was able to find, oh, so-and-so on this blog and then so-and-so from this. And then that they were all kind of like now part of the circle of people who have left that group. Yeah, you went down a lot of rabbit holes because the story is not just about KGB. You talked to families where the this organization groomed teenage girls and then once they were 18 they left to go live there and some of these are just terrible stories that i mean you just feel so bad hearing the point of view from the parents talking about just basically losing their kids and right you know they don't want to contact them and they tell the parents to stop contacting the group and some of these stories are just horrible was was there i mean was there one detail that you heard it or got reported that just stood out to you as either like the weirdest possible thing or just some horrible, you know, crushing thing that you're just like your heart's breaking for these people as you're reporting on them? Was there, is there one thing that stands out from the story as just that, that detail that you keep coming back to? Um, I just think like the two sisters who I talked to the younger sister, um, she only would do the interview over Facebook messenger because like she was not comfortable yet, like speaking about it out loud. And it had been like several years since she had been you know, out of that, that lifestyle. And that whole, like, it was basically like a whole day of like messaging each other back and forth. And it was just getting like, you know, sadder and sadder, like the conversation. And I think just the scene of like, basically how I started chapter two, where like, they're trying to run away so many times because of the abuse that they've experienced on this compound or in this community. And they like, can't run away because they're also afraid of like, what will happen if they do run away because they have not lived in the outside world, like uh, since they were one or two years old. 
So they don't know what it's like out there. And it's like the fear of the unknown versus the fear of like what you're experiencing and also the fear of like leaving your family. So that part was really, I think that stuck with me the most. And that's why the story was like crazy because it was like, I didn't get around to um, interviewing. I didn't get around to really digging into straightway until like March or April. Um, the first part was like understanding Kabir and then, you know, the editors were like, okay, we need to know more about this group. Like, how does this group work? We need to understand more about them. And then it became its own chapter of this thing. And it's, it's wild because like that chapter really has like nothing to do with football or sports or athletes at all. But, but it's like important because you have to know like what has Kabir dedicated, what group has Kabir like dedicated himself to and you know, what has been other people's experience with that group. So that was a really interesting reporting experience because that was something I've never, you know, overlapped with in terms of writing about football before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, I just want to ask a couple more, but I guess just this thought that you're reporting a story and while you're reporting it, they are putting out videos about uh, you yeah. <laughs> reporting the story. And you mentioned being willing to do, like, would you have done the live interview with the guy, if he was willing, and that was the only way you could get to him, and, and just you know, what what's it like reporting a story while they're putting out videos about you doing this work? That was extremely weird. I mean, usually when you're reporting something that's like about someone, and it's like you know negative, um, or you know critical of that person or group or whatever, like you throw up air quotes there, people can't see you. <laughs> neg- I, I negative, it. yeah. 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 Um, characterized as neg- negative by the person you're writing about is what I should say you're always sort of like afraid like they're going to find out that you're doing like that you're doing it before you reach out to them and they usually do um and so there's usually pushback of some sort like you'll get a phone call and they're like you you better not write the story you know people will try to shut you down um this was different because it was like publicly public videos about like us like they never mentioned my name in the process of reporting it but it was about there were videos pastor dowell posted a video about sports illustrated Sports Illustrated keeps trying to contact our people. I think he posted two or three of them before the story was out. Um, and so that was really interesting because I had never had come across that before. And it's also, I would have done it live. I would have done it live. I, I would not prefer to have done it live. And I also think for his best interest, he shouldn't have done it live because I was going to have to ask him to respond to like claims of sexual abuse on his community. So I'm not sure if he would want to really be live streaming that to everyone that watches his channel um so i don't think that would have been in his best interest but it was very clear that he wants to control the environment so and i think that's why he ended up not responding to me because i think you know the time frame that we gave him he said he was traveling um this is coming through kabir and also from his youtube channel he was traveling doing ministry work in other places and i think he was probably just not able to control the environment while he was away from sort of his home office. So I think that's why he didn't get back in touch with us. I don't really know. Um, but yeah, I would have, I would have done that. But I think that the trickiest part about this story was like, when it came to writing about this religious group, that's extremely insular. It was like, am I really talking to a real person who left this group or is this person like catfishing me and trolling me? And they're actually in the group still. Um, that was tricky because the people that I talked to who had left the group were extremely paranoid Hmm. to the point of like, well, you are like, it was like shocking, like how paranoid they were because when they had left, 
they would get people pretending to be other people trying to like get information from them and like trying to sort of like you know fool them that they were you know get like dirt basically from them about the group but they were still in the it was someone posing as someone else so they like several people that i talked to were like asking for like my credentials like i had to sort of like prove that like i was who i said i was and then i started getting paranoid back like it was like a paranoid circle i'm like wait but like are you really who you said you were like how do i know so that was like crazy because normally like you know writing about football no one's really posing to be so being somebody else like that's just not part of it so that was a whole new experience of like whoa like my brain hurts from like all of this like trying to figure out who is who and are you legit are you genuine are you not that wasn't that was new that was a new reporting experience how did you do that make sure that you weren't being catfished so i would video chat um just to make sure like if i was talking to the person on facebook i would be like okay can we video chat just to make sure we're not you know fooling each other here um and then i would try to make sure that like i hadn't basically like I wanted to make sure that like all of my sources who had left this group were not all sending me to each other because I wanted to make sure I had kind of gotten them from different avenues because if they were all kind of like linked to each other, then it's like, well, then how do I know if any of you are real? And like, you could all just be lying. So I wanted to kind of make sure I had like a diversity of like where they came from and how I got introduced to them. Um, but yeah, video chat and then making sure they came from different places. Um, and then verifying their stories from people close to them, like a sister, a mom, you know, something like that. Somebody else in their family who could who could say yes and answer the questions, answer questions that I had about what they their loved one had already told me. Um, so yeah, those were kind of the ways that we did that. And then you mentioned KGB put out videos after the story was published was that yeah after chapter one dropped or were there multiple and he did it after the series wrapped up today i haven't seen any of these so i haven't checked his channel since like last night so who knows they make so many videos there might be three more up there right now <laughs> but he posted his review after chapter one mm -hmm. was posted because that was like all about him so he he posted his review after that and there wasn't much that he said, to be honest, like I, I actually learned a really good um, shortcut. If you click the three dots on YouTube, there's a transcript. You can read a transcript of a YouTube video and you can click on the line and it'll take you to like that part of the video. So you don't have to actually like listen to these whole videos anymore. But of course I didn't learn this until I was done. One of our fact checkers told me this information and I was like, oh my God, I could have saved so much time. Until this you is, spent hundreds is, of hours yeah. Uh, yeah, watching yeah. videos of, of right. all these groups. And yeah. the crazy thing was like, I started having dreams about the group, like probably in like May, I started having dreams about them, like that I was part of it. I don't even remember what the dreams were, but they were like certainly, and I would, I would wake up and be like, oh my God, I can't believe I just learned this information. I have to like put this in the story, but it was never real. It was like from my dream. So that's and and so it's scary like i watched so many of their videos i was like oh my god i hope i'm not indoctrinated like by the end of this because i've consumed like so much of their content and it's just crazy like once you get into these like um you know rabbit holes on youtube which it reminds me a lot of the new york times rabbit hole podcast if you listen to that or heard of that it's all about like youtube radicalization but once you're like in, in these rabbit holes on youtube it's so easy to understand how like people get into this and get swept up into this and have it change their whole life because you're just like, okay, here's another one. Yep. Another one. 
go play. And it's just great. It's wild. And so I'm, I'm really glad to be done because I needed a mental health break. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's a great note to end on. I mean, you said it at the beginning, the story touches on so many major issues that get talked about all over in other aspects of society with race and religion and just YouTube radicalization and people using tech and uh, you know, you mentioned this group using all kinds of different like messaging apps I hadn't heard of, and they've got yeah. Patreons and all kinds. And there's just like all kinds of stuff in here, and it touches on so many issues that um, you know that it's like if you spend enough time on the internet reading about other topics, this story intersects with so many of those. Yeah, it does, and I think that's why it's like people have, from what I've seen on social media, like seems like people have actually read all three stories. Like people who read one, like came back for two, and then came back for three, just from. Um, social media feedback like everyone was like wow this was enthralling like every word was just fascinating and I think that's why because it is like so many different parts of society of 2020 right now are wrapped up in this story and it's sort of you know you know it's this guy was a local hero and now the community fears him because of the actions that he's taken recently Um, so I think it's just kind of your classic like fall of a hero story as well um but with so many new things added to it so i learned a ton from reporting this and i hope everyone did too and enjoyed it yeah it was great and it showed what a great job you did i'm gonna plug the story one more time before you uh before we say goodbye it's uh it's called the it's called pray for kabir and then the full headline for chapter one is pray for kabir chapter one the school play, the Minister of Defense, which of course is Reggie White, and the Fall of a Hero. And then from there, you can follow the links to chapters two and three. You can find it on Kalen's Twitter feed. You can go to si.com slash NFL. Make sure you go check it out because Kalen, you're a great reporter and you did an awesome job on this. You've, uh, I'll, I'll give you a plug. You've written some, some other awesome stories for the MMQB over the years. Your uh, How a Cow Becomes a Football is Legendary and your story on the Bears uh, kicker tryouts and a handful of others. So Kalen, I'm, uh, it was really great to see your byline back at the MMQB this week and you did an awesome job with this one. Thanks, Mitch. Thanks for having me. Of course. And thanks for joining us. And thanks, everyone else, for listening to the podcast. You can subscribe at the MMQB NFL podcast. We should be back with our uh, regular show next Friday with Connor and Jenny. And uh, make sure you subscribe for shows five days a week. Uh, Plenty of good ones. The Weak Side podcast, Albert Breer's podcast, all kinds of uh, stuff on there. So make sure you subscribe. And we'll catch you again next week. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast, is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, Somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card... 
right this way. It's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air, and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side action, and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network. Network. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play.